0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Self-Awareness Journey Podcast. I'm Melissa Elbers.
1: And I'm JJ Parker. This podcast is for seekers of happiness, joy, and a centered approach to success in life. Seekers of their true, authentic selves.
0: Get ready for some real talk on everything from anxiety, emotions, and habits, to love, compassion, and forgiveness. We know you'll be challenged and enlightened by this conversation, and we're so glad you're here. Let's dive in. JJ, I am super excited today because bah, 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 we have a very have a guest. special guest, super awesome guest, Karen Dahl. Hello, Karen. Good morning. <laughs> Don't you like the introduction? Like I love it. Very dramatic. Can, right. How can you be anything but like ultra professional with that sort of intro? <laughs> I appreciate oh. the enthusiasm.
1: All right, Melissa. How how did you and Karen meet? How did Karen get on our this podcast is- here?
0: Geez, listeners, <laughs> JJ's already like getting me on the rails. I'm done. Right. I'm done with yeah.
1: business because I got yeah. some questions for Karen.
0: <laughs> okay. So, Karen and I met when um, the Minneapolis St. Paul Business Journal asked me, asked Karen and a few other people to participate in a panel um, a few months back um, around mental health in the workplace. And Karen did, and I, I'm not just saying this because we're looking at each other online, Karen, yeah. but you did such a good job of. Um, navigating the conversation with all of these experts. And I kind of felt like the smallest person in the room because I didn't have 72 letters at the end of my name like everyone else in the panel did. And um, But you made everyone feel so comfortable. And it was such a level, awesome conversation that we soon got down to really the heart of the matter, which is um, was was mental health in the workplace. And given the way things have been in the last two years, this topic is more important now than it ever has been. Um, So I just thought it would be really fun if you would be willing to hop on our pod and talk to us about this a little bit. And yay, you (laughs) accepted. So thank you.
2: I love talking about the topic. So I appreciate it. I appreciate the invite.
0: Yeah. So tell us a little bit. Tell it. You have been very busy in the last few months, and I would just like to give you an opportunity to tell us about a couple of the projects that you've been working on recently, um, as it relates specifically to the workplace stuff. Because this is, like I said, this is such a great topic.
2: Great, thank you. Well, the my main project for the last year or so has been working on my book, which is Building Psychological Fitness, and I. Originally, I uh, was wanting it to be very specific to the workplace. As it turned out, it's becoming mm. a little more general of mm. how to help people enhance mental health and well-being. Oh, and yeah. my target audience really is professionals because I've always worked in the corporate space. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm a psychologist. I do a lot of coaching. I do a lot of individual and group coaching. And then, you know, in the last two years have moved pretty heavily into the space of yeah. Just enhancing mental health awareness and helping organizations understand and leaders understand what they can do to best support the mental health of their employees. Mm -hmm. I
0: I particularly like your focus on the topic, not just the topic, obviously, because JJ and I are geeking out about this all the time. But honestly, the, the focus of enhancing well-being, you know, it's like getting better, not waiting until something is radically broken to address. And I think that's the kind of a shift I feel is happening more and more. At least I feel like it is. Um, so talk about yeah, that a little I, bit.
2: Yeah, well, one of the th- I mean, there's the all of COVID, of course, has accelerated the conversation. So mm-hmm. we're we're making progress, and there I think we're still in the space that people are needing a little more awareness about mental health. And mental health in the past, I think, has been used as proxy for mental illness and mm-hmm. so just even expanding the conversation that mental health is a continuum and just like physical health i'm mostly physically healthy yet i have a couple of ailments does that doesn't necessarily mean i'm not physically healthy so mm-hmm. um i like to think of mental health as a continuum and you know if we're in the green zone things are well we're thriving and flourishing and have healthy habits and in that mid yellow orange zone uh, many people have found themselves to be spending too much time in that midspace uh, and languishing is a term that's come up hmm. uh, in the last couple of years uh, due to Adam Grant popularizing it. But, you know, it's just people are struggling and they were all compromised to varying degrees and people yeah. are feeling exhausted and depleted. And then, you know, the red zone would be more of clinical diagnosis. Hmm. And so. I like the message that no matter where we are on that continuum, we do have some agency over taking action and being able to move into different quadrants.
1: Yeah, I like I always like the phrasing like psychological fitness or mental fitness, Mm -hmm. because uh, for for Melissa, I talk about this all the time. It's like you can always get better. It's like it's like physical fitness, right? Like Mm -hmm. I can be fit but I can exercise more and train more and be even more fit, right? Mm-hmm. And you can mm-hmm. do that same thing uh, with your mental health, right? Yeah, and I love that's that. That's where you get into the like high performing part of of things for people. And it's like, like you said, it's not like you're broken, mm-hmm. right? It's not, a, but you can use it as a, a superpower. I feel like it's, it, it can be really healthy.
2: Yes, I love that, and I the term psychological fitness I've been I sort of glommed onto, and my publisher pushed yeah. back on it because he didn't like it, and um, so I tried to survey my my clients and my my audience and to see if it would resonate. And what I learned really is I think it just the term makes the whole topic a little more accessible to mm-hmm. people. Yes,
0: I was just going to say that totally. much more
2: approachable. Yep. Can I
0: can I ask <laughs> something? Oh, sorry, JJ. I just wanted to ask something that she said on a term. You said languishing in the yellow. You said languishing in that mid-zone. Can mm-hmm. you, I, I, I know what you mean, I think, but can you give like an example of what that might look like? What's a real life example if somebody's in that space?
2: Yeah, that would be people that are functioning. They're showing up to work. They're getting the basic things done. So they're not mentally ill. You know, they're mm-hmm. not so mm-hmm. challenged that they're not able to function in daily life. Yet they're lacking passion, joy, Mm. spark, vitality, Mm. or they feel less engaged or less motivated than they usually would. So Mm. it's kind of just like a feeling of meh, just Mm. blah. Mm -hmm. And over time, that can really begin to be an emotional drag.
0: Mm -hmm. For people around them as well, right? That, Mm -hmm. That becomes like a systemic thing when there are multiple people languishing in that space. Right. Oh,
2: right, absolutely. It's that's all contagious.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: So, Karen, I had an experience um, a few months back uh, with my Vistage group. So my Vistage group's like a CEO roundtable
2: mm-hmm.
1: thing, right? Mm-hmm. And um, there's like 18 of us, right? And I asked the group if mental health, supporting mental health with their employees was an important thing in their businesses, right? They all raised their hand. Totally, mental health, super important issue for us, right? I said, okay, tell me specifically what you guys are doing about it. And it was crickets. (laughs) No one said a single thing, right? And I was like, okay, you guys, that's the problem in the workplace. You all say it's important and you all don't do anything about it. So can you talk about like, what are some actual things like leaders can do in the workspace to help promote like psychological fitness and mental health with their employees?
2: Yes, I think it's like the million dollar question. And I Hmm. think, I don't think anyone's cracked the code yet on Mm -hmm. what is going to be, what are the most impactful levers? that we can pull and how can organizations really utilize their infrastructure and their scalability and their resources to help people? Um, And here's the question that I get, and I agree with you. Leaders are all saying like, this is important. We Mm -hmm. know it's important. Our people are struggling. More people are on medical leave due to burnout and mental health than ever. So there is no shortage of statistics to support this. And the question I get is, Okay, Karen, what's the one thing that we can do <laughs> to help our employees? So I, I I get it. I get that they they want like the most optimized result or or right. intervention. <laughs> and that's the challenge is there isn't one thing. Um there is not a magic bullet, uh yet that doesn't mean we shouldn't do anything. Right. So I mean, just at a high level, I think the more conversations that we're having about mental health and awareness. Somebody said recently, well, I want to call your presentation Psychological Fitness or Chronic Stress, Not Mental Health, because mental health might be triggering. What? And I thought, oh, like, so Mm. there still is a little, there's just stigma around the whole topic. So we need to keep talking about it. People need to share their challenges. Leaders need to be vulnerable and self-disclose. And that doesn't mean they need to share everything, but if they're pretending like they have it all together, that is not helpful for the team. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I think the self-disclosure, the sharing, finding ways to create safe space, giving people resources, um, having being able to have dialogue about workload and demand. I mean, workload is really a significant problem. Most organizations are Mm under-resourced
1: right Right.
2: now. And I think companies are in kind of a stuck place because frontline people aren't necessarily feeling comfortable speaking up and saying, oh, I can't handle this. There's fear. They don't want their boss to think that they can't handle it or they don't want Mm -hmm. their team to think they don't care. And managers are kind of stuck between leaders leaders providing all the aggressive initiatives and then hearing from their team that there are challenges. And it's not always, the communication I don't think is making it all the way upstream.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm. So right.
2: um, I, I think their organizations are in just a
1: little bit of a stuck place in that yeah. sense. It, yeah, there's it, a lots of there's a lots of facets to this problem.
0: Yeah, right? and I feel lots like it's all, sides. the traditional way it seems like in the United States that if a company's having challenges, then the leader needs to just get a grip and tell everybody what to do. I mean, honestly, it's I feel like, Mm. and and the leader is meant to have all of the answers in their little bag of tricks that they just happen to be carrying around with them all the time. (laughs) And we know that's actually not real. Um, We know that's not real, but that's that's how we have always solved problems in the past. So now we are reaching sort of an epic proportion problem that is happening everywhere, and yet we cannot... Address it in the way that we've actually only ever known how. Yeah, managers are feeling
2: so much pressure. Yes, you know, thinking they, that they need to have all the answers, and they do. They are not mental health professionals, right? Right. Managers don't need to be equipped to be addressing clinical issues. Um, yeah. So.
1: Yeah, but if true. you think about it, like our managers, we train them all the time on, like how to read financial statements, how to manage to their budgets, how to do mm-hmm. time management, time track, like that we teach them all of these skills, um, in addition to like, probably their, their technical specialty. Right. Uh, but we never, we don't teach them how to deal <laughs> with even the simplest of, of mental wellness techniques. Right.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I get questions literally where people are like, what, I don't know what to say. Right. Don't yes, I do do. Like, I do too. Yeah. Uh-huh. How about like how are you doing? How are you feeling? I mean, yeah. I've I've gotten pretty practical about trying to provide very concrete guides and mm-hmm. like here, if this <laughs> happens, try saying this. Uh-huh. <laughs> Look That's for these great, signals. Though. Well, and I think that that provides having some sort of a framework. Um I think provides a little bit of ease and comfort and and like a there are well being guides, or mine are psychological fitness guides, where it's like, mm. here, manager and employee, mm. use this document to help facilitate the conversation. That's so awesome. Yep. To make it a little more safe. And then, you know, people, managers don't want to infringe upon their privacy either. So it's yeah, just that's a delicate balance.
1: That's a very interesting edge to me is mm-hmm. what, where is the line? with kind of your employer between privacy issues and, and, uh, and kind of like digging too deep with an employee, um, and kind of respecting those boundaries and actually getting to the root of what's maybe causing performance problems at your job. Right. Mm
2: -hmm. Well, and you know, the ADA, they can't ask people about mental illness or anything. And there, there have I've been in a number of conversations with organizations who are trying to survey well-being, mm-hmm. and, and there, it, there has been some tension around employees saying, "Well, is that, is that okay that I'm answering yeah. these questions? What are you gonna yeah. do this? What with are you this gonna this do information? with it? Yeah.
0: What are you gonna do with yeah.
2: it? Yeah. And in the past, I think you know." counsel, legal input would be, no, be really careful. And now all that has been totally blown up and
1: disrupted. Yeah. Yeah, It's, it's an interesting culture thing because if, if you put that line, like the employee has, you know, like if you put the privacy line too far to being like closed with the, with the employees, right. Mm -hmm. I feel like you run the risk of actually making the employee, like objectifying the employees and treating them like cogs in your machine. Right. From a business perspective, right? Yeah, Um, I found it much nicer to have like a more personal relationship with your employees. And it's like everyone's kind of like in work and life together, but that does lead to some like conversations that would be much more maybe intimate or personal than yeah. the normal Worker would experience.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's the boundary. Where is the boundary? Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Yes. Well, and it's it is different for everyone. But I love that idea that you just shared. And I think of the term accompaniment, Mm. and I try to use that Mm. kind of language. Like, regardless of what level, we are all in this together. Yeah. And there are a lot of people that are struggling and thinking they're the only one struggling because everybody else looks like they're killing it. Mm Right. Um, Right. 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 And they're There's a lot of, I think, opportunity just in the future of mental health at work for more community and connection and ways for groups and people to come together and do that work together.
1: Mm -hmm. Hmm.
0: I also think there's also a difference between the size of the organization and what they're even aware Mm. exists for support mechanisms. You know, we talk about um, we talk about bigger companies and bigger systems But the lion's share of organizations are actually quite small in the United States. And I think that that means that they have more limited opportunities to take the time to know what resources they have. And then that leaves them in this sort of black hole as well, you know, because they they just kind of go with their gut and then they're embarrassed or they feel like they've made mistakes or errors or one bad experience scares them from ever doing it again. Um, and, and so I, I just, you know, I, I'm wondering like so we've been talking about this from the leader perspective, but what about peer-to-peer in the workplace? Are there different ways to think about addressing it if you are a peer to someone, an average employee, and you see someone else struggling? You know, what are the what are some practical ways of being in a situation like that? If you notice somebody is struggling.
2: Yeah, well, it's a good question, and it, it's the answer probably depends on the context, right? So we're still mm-hmm. in this remote world or hybrid world, so interpersonal yeah. interactions are a little clunkier. You can't just bump into somebody walking out to the parking lot and check in with them. So it does right. require a little more intention and, and scheduling. Um, but I think just any practice and way of reaching out and connecting there's mm-hmm. research lately that shows, you know, just the, the epide- epidemic of loneliness in the workplace mm. and that even having one ally and one friend mm. at work mm-hmm. reduces the risk of burnout by 41%. Wow. wow. One friend. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's actionable. Yeah. And it doesn't absolutely. need to take a lot of time, but people want to know they matter. And the more that we can do that for each other, I think we can have compound impact
1: gotta get yeah. yourself a a work bestie. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> do you think
0: people um do you think people um do want to be in alignment with others and want to help other people? But do you think that their own fear prevents them from doing that? Maybe not just worrying not worrying about the rules or the policies, but just their own fear of Showing their own weaknesses, their own fear of becoming depressed because they talk to someone else and take on those issues. I wonder if that has much to do with <laughs> it as well. What are you laughing well, I think, at, <laughs> JJ? I
1: think me, I, that just I, that makes me have like a fifteen different thoughts.
2: Yeah. Well, some people are in survival mode, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm just trying to get through the day and do my thing without being able to think outside that scope. Yeah. Um is there concern about picking up somebody else's negative stuff and having that be contagious? Perhaps I think the biggest fear is just what are people going to think? hmm. I do, too. The fear of judgment.
1: Yeah. yeah, there's a really interesting part, especially in a lot of like classic corporate America. Like it's it's the ladder, right? It's like you're trying to climb the corporate ladder and any sign as little as it might be that kind of makes you perceived as weaker Mm -hmm. limits your opportunities or you at least you think it limits your opportunities to move up that ladder. And um so I think that's where a lot of the hiding happens right.
2: Absolutely I mean there's there's on the extreme like fear of retaliation fear that Mm -hmm. like this Mm -hmm. is really going to work against me um but I there's a term that I've been using for high-achieving people who are, you know, passionate about their work and they're high performers and all that, but yet they don't necessarily recognize their limitation. And I've been using the term silent warriors
0: hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. because
2: they just, like, they get it done, they grind it out, they do the thing, and they don't speak up about it for any number one, any number of those reasons.
1: Hmm. Yeah. So when you said it earlier, it's this idea that you need to create a safe space for your employees, right? You need to, as a, as an organization, you, you have to make sure that like, like bringing up mental wellness issues aren't punished or aren't looked down upon or aren't looked at as a sign of weakness, uh, for us and for me, it's like, that's more a sign of Like bravery and strength than it is of weakness. But that's not, I don't think that's like a common opinion, right? I think my opinion is maybe backwards from a lot of people. Well, mine's right. I think that's,
2: well, I think that's a progressive way to look at it. So the term psychological safety we've used for years. And now I love your language. Like I've moved into using brave space, talking about Mm -hmm. brave space, because the Mm. courage that it takes to, have vulnerability. And yes, I even, right. at the beginning of my groups, I'll read this thing. I didn't write it, but somebody sent it to me. It's online somewhere about how we create brave space for one another. Mm, it's um, probably and Brene. That. <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's not Brene, but yes, I know she's she's yeah. she's yeah the leader on the charge on that one. Yeah, yeah.
0: Huh, that's awesome. So can you talk a little bit about your online course that you've made? What are you, what what's it like? What are you hoping to accomplish with it? I'm super interested in
2: that. Yes. Thank you for asking. So it's just improving mental health at work. And it is, um, I worked with a production company on it. So they kind of helped me with the content and the script and whatnot. Um, And there are a number of different modules. It's intended to be like bite-sized, user-friendly, is, is, meaningful, yet um, manageable as content can be. Mm-hmm. And even though I struggle with just this whole topic about mental health, because people want such tidbits like quick, just give me the the high level, yeah. give me the summary. And it's sort of a paradox of like improving mental health actually does take work. The inner yeah. work takes effort <laughs> yes. and practice. So I don't have three quick things and then you're going to be happy. And, right. Right. High functioning. Um, so I I tried to like send the message that yes, sometimes these practices might feel like a band-aid on a bullet wound, yet <laughs> there's something that we mm-hmm. can do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's like telling somebody, you know, that's working 80 hours a week and is overwhelmed and is a working parent and telling them to go to another yoga class. I know. Sometimes I know. it's like okay that's not it. That can't undo and unravel all of the stress and exertion that comes with working that many hours a week. Exactly. Um
0: yep. which yeah, is then so why I
2: go right back to the self-awareness
0: piece. You have to have the awareness mm-hmm. that you have more mm-hmm. than one body. You know, and, and we always say in this in our line of in our work that there are four bodies, emotional body, spiritual mental, and physical body. And they all have to be in alignment with each other in order to have a centered human being. We operate best from our centered space. But um, when one of those bodies takes over, such as the mental body, these are the things I have to do 80 hours a week, um, we're putting away all of the other components of who we really are that help us stay in balance and help us be creative and powerful beings. And this whole concept of you know, we have given the head way too much attention, as far as I'm concerned, all under the guise of being intellectual, being intelligent, you know, being smarter, faster, um, where the truth of the matter is, is that there's so much more to us that actually informs us how to do all of those things and be all of those things easier.
2: So I, I really I like I love that those. It. I love those principles. And yes, mental health begins and ends and always gets back to self-awareness
0: right yeah
2: that's right the more we know who we are the more we can be a healthier and better version of ourselves
1: yep yep yep
2: so yeah I,
1: i love this conversation um i love that you're working on Mental health in the workplace. I this, do this is kind of thing that well, so you said it amazing. so eloquently. You said like a <laughs> million, million dollars, probably billion dollar problem that no one's cracked yet. And <laughs> you know, Melissa and I have been working on on trying to solve that problem for two, I don't know, two, ten, I don't know, ten too years. long, <laughs> ten years now. <laughs> but um, uh, it's great that that you're here to helping lead the charge and get people to realize that that mental health in the workplace is not a taboo subject. It's really important and we should all talk about it and work on it together.
2: Yeah. Well, and and I I appreciate your work because the more people that are in this space, the more we can accelerate and make movement and get momentum. Mm -hmm.
0: Yes. I'm in complete alignment with that. So listeners, Mm -hmm. if you are interested in checking Karen out, Karen, what's the best way for people to check out your work?
2: Probably my website. Dr. Karendall, D O L L, at, um, yeah, dot com. Okay. Dr. dot com. Gotcha. And your and book,
1: Building Psychological Fitness, I saw will be released on Amazon shortly. It's
2: In, the, in a few weeks. Yep. Yay. <laughs> final, I did a pre order. Very final, cool. Yes. I was one of your you, pre orders. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it was supposed to be done February 1st and March 1st, then April 1st. So yeah. now I'm like, it has to be out by Mental Health Awareness Month in May. So, yeah, perfect. <laughs> exactly. Thank you so much, Karen. Oh, I appreciate it. And thank you so much for inviting me and being open to have this dialogue. The more times we do this, the better. You're
1: right. Oh, Mosa, hold on. We can't actually end the episode just yet.
2: What? Why not?
1: Forgot because because we forgot to do the one thing we were going to do on this episode because we just made it into the three-digit club.
0: Oh, oh, my gosh. I totally
2: spaced that off. Yes, we did.
1: Great. 100th episode <laughs> with our, our friend Karen.
2: Yay. <laughs> Yay. Congratulations. Congrats. That's a huge milestone. It is, and we're Thank so glad you. you're sharing it with us. I'm so grateful.
1: You know what I did secretly to make sure that we did hit a hundred episodes.
2: <laughs> you, you this is the so
1: nerdy. <laughs> I skipped ninety-nine. <laughs> <laughs> when we started naming the episodes, I I, I named them zero zero one and then zero zero two, oh. just to make sure that we got to a hundred.
0: What are you going to do when we hit a <laughs> thousand? Oh, I didn't plan
1: for a thousand.
0: Tisk tisk. No
1: vision. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Well, Melissa, it's been a pleasure to co-host this podcast with you for the past 100 episodes. I have it's loved been, it. Uh, insightful. It's been super helpful for my own personal development. I tell people that, that our Friday recording sessions are like my weekly therapy. So I really appreciate <laughs> you uh, being on the other end of the mic.
0: Oh, and I would not have a better partner than anyone except for having you. So thank you.
1: All right. Here's to 100 more. Did you enjoy this episode? Please go to your favorite podcast platform to subscribe, rate, and leave a review so others can discover it as well. Growing self-awareness is a lifelong journey, and it's better when we're all in it together. Please think of someone you know who could benefit from hearing today's conversation and share this episode with them.
0: We can't thank you enough for listening. Until next time, happy exploring.